mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in several places, but today we're going to talk about the Christmas story, the Christmas testimony of the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas, of course, is in five days, um, and so much is going on in the world. I don't know if uh, you've been asleep, but there's an election that's being stolen. There is COVID fear everywhere. There's so many things going on, and the enemy would love to deceive you and steal your joy and steal your hope and have you focused on all of these temporal things as opposed to continuing, continuing as in the sense that you are already supposed to be unwrapping the knowledge of Jesus Christ and working on your relationship with Him. And really, indeed, as I always teach every year at Christmas, the, the, the title of this sermon is The Greatest Gift Ever Given. Now, to me, it's not tedious to continue to remind you every year. It's a great way to start the new year that's coming, is to remember that we have been given the greatest gift ever given from a God who loves us. He's not against us. He's for us. We were his enemy, and he still sought us out with his good will and died for us on a cross. So it's the greatest gift ever given. Now, Christmas has got a lot of, a lot of new meaning to me this year because last year we never got to celebrate Christmas. Last year we had barely got a tree up when my wife got sick and ended up in the hospital for 37 days and we celebrated yesterday the one-year anniversary of her coding three times on us and so it was a little different because last year when I received her back from dying I received the second greatest gift I've ever received my wife you know the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives blessing from the Lord. And I don't know if you understand all of the analogies that go with that. That we're supposed to be living out as we look at Christ and his bride, the church. But Christ gave his life for his bride. And as men, we're supposed to be giving our lives for our brides. And the problem in society is so many men are deceived. And they give their life only for themselves. They do what they want to do, and they're not laying their life down for their bride. Because, see, what happens in the pattern, and this is the Christmas 
testimony because it's all about Christ and Christmas is all about Jesus' birth. In this entire testimony, though, when the husband is the example of Christ to the wife, the wife becomes like the husband. The two become one, not just in the marriage I do, but in reality, the two become one. In reality, the two become at the same plan of seeking God, the same plan of raising children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, the same plan in giving themselves away for the salvation of those around them. And see, that's why the greatest gift ever given is our example. And if we really receive it and unwrap it, then the Holy Spirit wants us to give ourselves away to others in service so that they will see a living and true God. And all of these things become the evidences that there's true faith in our lives, that we truly believe this word that God has given us, that we truly believe that he's going to keep the rest of his promises. God who cannot lie, who promised us a Savior who is Christ the Lord, we're going to see today. Now, with me, if you would, you could turn to the very first time that there's ever prophecy of a Messiah. You'll see it in Genesis 3.15 with me. We'll take a couple places and look at the prophecies, and then we'll look at Luke chapter 2 at the fulfillment of God's Word. There's over 315 times that the Bible tells us that God is going to give us a Savior, that He's going, that Christ is coming. And, and the, whole, the Old Testament, they look forward to this gift. They look forward in faith to the Messiah, the Mashiach, who would take away the sins of the world. God's provision. They didn't even know his name was Christ the Lord. So in 315, right after this, the, the, the fall, right after original sin, right after uh, God is pronouncing the curse upon mankind, and in 315... He says, and I, God, will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to um, the devil. First, he cursed the snake, the real devil that was there, the serpent. And then he begins to speak to the spiritual authority behind that, the devil. And he said he's going to put enmity is going to make and here's what the word means listen to me it means hostility hatred and we know that in the new testament jesus says if you hate you've murdered and he's a murderer from the beginning he will put hatred it comes from a word that means as to hate or one that is opposite of a tribe or a party and if you're God's children, the devil is the opposite. He's your enemy. He's the one that's waging warfare against you. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Isn't that interesting? If your Bible has the capital S there on the second seed, that's speaking of Christ. The first one is speaking of all of us that are born in sin. Because the devil, when we were born, was our father, and Jesus delivers us to a new father, God the Father. And he says, he, speaking of Jesus, now that we know, will, shall bruise your head, 
Head is the power. Jesus is the head of all power. Matthew 28, 18. He's the head of all power and authority. And you shall bruise his heel. So he tells the devil he'll bruise his heel. He'll cause some pain and suffering to Christ. But his head will be crushed at the cross. And this is not just a prophecy of the cross, but it's a prophecy of this gift that God is going to give. God who cannot lie. And then fast forward, go all the way to Isaiah now. Not Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. And we can read these prophecies of what God is saying. Now the amazing thing is, is that these prophecies are used in context to what was going on then. But they become a prophecy of what God is going to do in the future. I mean, actually, he was speaking to the serpent and, and, and cursing him. But in reference, he was speaking to the cross that would happen 6,000 years later, 5,000 years later. And again, here he's speaking about other contexts that are going on with King Ahaz. And, and, but it becomes the prophecy of Christ in 714. He says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Isn't that where you want your signs to come from? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Literally, God with us. The gift, God with us. Turn over a couple pages to Isaiah 9. And we begin to really see that it is a gift. See, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's free. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to gain it. You can't make God love you any more than he already loves you by doing anything. But if you'll surrender and unwrap this greatest gift ever given, you can give yourself away to others which is what we're called to do, to give ourselves away. And if we're not giving ourselves away, we're still wrapped in self. I wrote at the top of my page here, in your relationships in life, are you looking to give or to get? See, the world is teaching us that all we want to do is who gets the most toys wins. But God teaches us, he who gives himself away, he who humbles himself in his sight will be lifted up. You want to win in this life, you need to give yourself away for the correct reason, for Jesus, because of God, to be a witness in the reconciliation ministry of souls. Anything other than that is deception in the body of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect at it, but we should be moving toward it. We should be having a heart for it we should be looking to god saying here i am i'm incompetent i I have nothing to give but i'm going to give it all to you use this life for your glory give me a way to others send me as jeremiah said here i am send me look what he says there in 9 6 the greatest gift ever given for unto us a child is born This child is born to God. Unto us the Son is given. God gives this Son to us 
freely the greatest gift ever given. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Notice that it says that God loved the world. It doesn't say because the world did so much work, because the world did so much for God, because the world did all these things God gave. It was out of God's kindness. It was out of God's benevolence. It was out of God's goodness. And we're going to see that when the angels say goodwill toward men. That's what that means, God's benevolence. Out of God's goodness and His kindness, He gave us a gift. Because you know what? We didn't even know that we needed a Savior. We are born and deceived by the devil to where we think we're okay. We walk around in our pride thinking we're good. I don't need anything. And it's only the God's gift of first tapping us on the shoulder and saying, you're a lost sinner, and the only hope is my son, Jesus Christ. And then he gives you faith, a mustard seed of faith, that you can even say, I believe that. This gift is so much in our lives. There's no way that we could ever take credit. The only thing we can do is humble ourselves in His sight. The only thing we can do is surrender. The only thing we can do is let Him give us away to others. Unto us a son is given. He was given to us. Think about that long and hard. What is your most prized possession? Is it your children? God gave his away. Now, see, we know on this side of the cross what that means. That doesn't mean he just gave him and let him become a royal king and sit over top of everybody and rule and reign and point. And it means that he gave him to do what? To be betrayed, to be beaten, to be spit upon and mocked and crucified and nailed to a tree and to die. That's what this gift given to us means. Think about that long and hard as you celebrate Christmas this year. Because no matter when his birthday was, no matter when it was, God gave us the greatest gift. He provided in the fullness of time, Galatians 4, 4 tells us, I think it's 4, 4. In the fullness of time, he gave us his son. So it doesn't matter what date it was. It was on his timetable. Everything is. It was when he chose. Everything is. He's sovereign over the affairs of men. But when he gave him, he knew how we would spitefully use him. He knew that giving him meant giving his blood, dying on a cross, turning his back. Remember, he hung on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said it twice because he had never been separated from God the Father and God the Spirit. The three had been one. And yet they turned their back as he died there on the cross for your sin and my sin. The greatest gift ever given unto us, this son was given for our salvation, because God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whomsoever shall believe in Him, trust in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Well, why is that important? Because we already had eternal death. We already had eternal death. The curse of sin upon us. 
and we needed life and God wanted us to have life and it is goodness that brings us to that life and the government will be upon his shoulder now we know again in Matthew 28:18 he says all power has been given to me. He's the head of all principality and power because of going to the cross, because of obeying the Father's will, because of dying and being raised again. And one day, one day he's going to sit on a throne and everything, everything, for, for a period of time, the government will be upon his shoulder. He will rule and reign. You can read about this in Daniel 2, I think verse 44 talks about that day but then he's going to give it all back to the father see he isn't doing this so that he can be and i don't even understand that completely but he gives it all back to the father he gives all the authority back to him right now he has it all but he gives it all back to the father how does that work i don't know i don't need to know that i trust him because if he will lay down his life as a friend to me to save me then i can trust that he knows everything else that's going on the greatest gift ever given. The government, the weight of everything will be upon his shoulders. And his name, his character, his nature, his will, his authority will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, it says, wonderful, comma, counselor. I've told you in the past. I tell you again. You can scribble that comma out. You can obviously see two words for four different names here. That's the intent here. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So you see all of the Godhead here plus the Godhead. You see wonderful counselor, which is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. He's a wonderful counselor. Nobody else can counsel you the way that he counsels us. He comes alongside and tells us. He counsels us. This great gift comes when we're out having fun and doing our own thing. He comes alongside and counsels us of sin and righteousness and judgment. You're a sinner. You're going to die for eternity and separated from God. But there is a righteous one. And you can believe in the blood of Jesus and become righteous. Because why do I need that? There's going to be a judgment one day. What a wonderful counselor. Because we look everywhere for help, don't we? We're looking everywhere for help but to Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor. The Holy Spirit is here now. The paracletus, the one who comes alongside. And he wants to counsel us. What's he going to counsel us to do? Surrender. Give ourselves away. Ask God for wisdom, understanding, and knowledge and how to do that, how to live this life, how to wrap ourselves in Christ. Listen to me. How to wrap ourselves in the fruit of the Spirit so that we can give ourselves away. Mighty God, El Gabor. That's. He's the mighty God. Well, the mighty God is a wonderful counselor. He's an everlasting father and he's prince of peace. So you see the everlasting, the ancient of days, father, because that's who Jesus is delivering us to. And then he is the prince of peace. He's bringing peace. There was enmity. We were at war with God and didn't even know it because we were sinners. And he's against sin. He hates sin. 
He hates pride and arrogance in the evil way. And he gave us his righteous standing. Christ did. The Prince of Peace. One of the titles for Melchizedek, but that's a study for a different time, is the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Selim, Jerusalem, Salem. We pronounce it Salem. But really, if you think about it, Jerusalem and then Salem, it should be Salem. I think in the Hebrew, that's how they pronounce it. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's an eternal kingdom upon the throne of David. And over his kingdom, so that Davidic covenant that we see in 2 Samuel 7, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Oh, no, God is just love, 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 love. No, there's going to be judgment and there's going to be a, a, a fair weight and balance. There's going to be justice. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need this gift, because we cannot, we cannot come on our own merit. To order it, excuse me, from that, day, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isn't that cool? You don't have to perform it. All you got to do is receive this great gift. Remember Jesus, when he cleansed the temple, when he come into his father's temple, father's house, and he made a whip and he turned over the tables and he said, zeal for my father's house has eaten me up. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You do not have to be a performer. Listen, you can be a child with an inheritance. You can have peace from the Prince of Peace if you come and receive this greatest gift ever given. If you listen to the counsel of these 66 books by 40 authors as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and washes and cleanses you or what might be called wraps you as a gift to give to others. As you go out and witness. See, the gift is supposed to be a witness. Who is Christ? He's a witness of the Father. Who is Christ? He's a witness of salvation. Who is Christ? He's a witness. He's testimony of the heart of God. And then you and I become those same witnesses as we draw near and unwrap this greatest gift ever given. Listen to me. Christmas is about the greatest gift ever given. Sadly, the church at large has the gift of receiving. And all we're doing is looking for what we can get instead of giving ourselves away. Because if you keep hanging on to self and you keep looking what you can get, you're only building up self. You're only witnessing of self. You're only witnessing of flesh. And all flesh is good for is death. Flesh is good for nothing but to die. Flesh one day will all die. And the only thing that's going to keep living is your spirit, not your flesh, not what you're wrapped in. So you're supposed to receive this greatest gift and begin to wrap yourself in Christ. And all that are in Christ and Christ in them will one day inherit eternal life. So listen, the first Christmas is not about It's not about a bunch of stores. It's not about a bunch of getting stuff. 
That's what we focus on. It's about God giving us His Son, Jesus Christ. And that first Christmas, it was about this baby being born in a manger. And we're going to read that here in a second in Luke chapter 2. But listen to me. Jesus decorated the cross, the light of the world. He decorated the first tree of Christmas. I believe that. It might not fit with your theology, but the light of the world hung on a tree for me. That's what Christmas is about. He gave his life for me because his father gave him to me as a babe. He came as from a virgin womb and died 33 years later as he hung as the light of the world and, and, and decorated that first tree. He wasn't under the tree like we look forward. He was on the tree. On the tree. And one day he's going to put all of his enemies under his feet completely. The last one is death, we're told. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Have you received this gift? Do you understand this gift? Are you unwrapping this gift? This gift of life? Where God in the, came down and wrapped Himself in flesh. He became like us so we could become like Him. So think about this for a minute. If He came down and had to wrap Himself in flesh, that meant He wasn't flesh. So then it gives us that in order to be like Him, we have to unwrap ourselves from our fleshly desires and to begin to put on spiritual desires that are like His. And what did He do? He gave. He was an example of servanthood. He did everything the opposite of what we do in the flesh. Not opposite just to be opposite. He was already love incarnate. He was already God. He was already El Gabor, mighty God. And he chose to come down and open our eyes so that we could see and then be able to receive this great gift. Ooh, we'll get to that text some other time. It's a good text in Amos. In Amos. Now let's go to Luke 2. We'll just go ahead and look at this greatest gift ever given. And uh, see if we can glean anything from this. Let me remind you first though that, and I'll give it as homework because I didn't get to it this year, is to maybe with your family, read Luke 1. Read Luke 1 this year. I read every year before we pray for dinner, I read the text we're getting ready to cover right now, Luke 2, 1 through 20. I read it to everybody in the family. And we're reminded what the true Christmas story is about. It's not about fighting and giving and keeping up with the Joneses and making sure somebody gets a gift. But it's about remembering the birth of our Savior and He's not a babe anymore. He's coming back as judge. And are you ready for Him to appear? Because He's coming soon and very soon. But let me remind you of what chapter 1 tells us. In chapter 1, we're introduced to all the players involved in the Christmas testimony. 
We're introduced by Theophilus. Luke is writing to Theophilus, which means lover of God or friend of God. It could be you and me down the corridor of times. And we open with Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then we revealed John, who's going to be their child. They were their barren. And then Gabriel comes down and speaks to Zacharias in the temple as he's burning incense, which means during prayer to us. Because incense always reflected the prayer of the nation of Israel or the prayers of the saints. And then we have Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And when you take those names, because listen, I always like to do this, because the attack today is on the Word of God. Does that, does that ring a bell to anybody? Because the attack has always been on the Word of God. It's never changed. For over 6,000 years, where did the attack start? God created marriage, and the attack came and said, Did God really say? It's on the Word of God. Did God say, You shall eat of every tree of the garden, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you do, you shall surely die. Did God say that really? The serpent said to Eve, See, there's no difference. So to live our Christian life today and not want to know what God said, to live our Christian life today and act like it doesn't matter what God said, to live our Christian life today and not be unwrapping the 66 books by 40 authors that reveal what God is doing is to listen to the deceiver to say, oh, it doesn't matter what God said. Did God really say, who wrote that book anyway? Didn't man just mess it all up? Listen to me. That is the attack. And we should want to know the voice of God because he says, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. Well, how do I follow you if I don't know your voice? Well, how do I follow you if I don't believe this is your word? Why would I follow you if you cannot get a correct testimony to me? Because you ain't God if you can't get it done. Listen, so you have to put all your eggs in one basket. And one of the biggest ways, listen, to unwrap Christ. Have you been unwrapping him? Have you been unwrapping this gift? I literally do, and I tell you guys this every year. I still have a Christmas gift in my closet that I have not unwrapped. It's just a game. I'm going to put it back underneath the tree this year, and I'm going to unwrap it this year. But I just have it up there. I quit golfing so that I know what the gift is. And I just quit golfing so I don't need it right now. Not the same when you go into the analogy. You didn't quit life. You didn't quit eternity. You didn't quit your salvation. So you have to always unwrap Christ. You know how you do it? Just like I challenge you every year. Start reading through the Bible. Start drawing near to God. When you open this up and you go, wow, this is the word of God. This is holy. This is true. This is unwrapping who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. This is the wrapping paper that, that reveals what's inside the package of Christ with us, our hope of glory. And you can't get it anywhere else in the world. All you will get is deception. There's books upon books upon books and commentaries upon commentaries upon commentaries that are written about this book. Movies that are being made, and we love to go to all of them. But the only way to unwrap the person of Christ and build your relationship with Christ is to sit down with this book in your lap and begin to read it and to pray and to have fellowship with God. And you know what happens? It's so amazing. 
the Word becomes alive to you. And you begin to see who this God is. And you begin to humble yourself and you begin to take off your flesh and wrap yourself in his love and you're given away to somebody else. You say, wow, if he would let me see this and reveal this and uncover this for me, then it reveals that you should go uncover it for others. Does God need us? No, we're privileged. It's a gift to be involved with God in the salvation of souls. It's a gift of God. See, the gift keeps giving. Let me, let me explain to you this way. First, you don't know you're a sinner, and the gift reveals it to you by the Holy Spirit. Then if you receive the gift, the Holy Spirit comes in and seals you until the day of redemption. And then you're done. You put it on the shelf and you're done. No, but many Christians live that way. Or are they really Christians? If the seal comes in, the Holy Spirit wants to take Jesus and reveal him. You keep unwrapping him. Then what does he do, Greg? Well, he gives you more gifts. He gives you a gift of teaching. He gives you a gift of song. He gives you a gift of service. He gives you a gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge. All of these gifts that he keeps giving. And as you keep unwrapping and keep unwrapping, what do you do? You keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens? He keeps wrapping you in love. The gift. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such there is no law. And we begin to wrap our dead, crucified self in this wrapping paper. In the garment of Christ, if you will. It's a white, righteous garment. You ever, when you go to the store to buy Christmas wrapping paper, I don't know if you guys do this, but I do this. I look specifically to make sure there ain't no big, fat, red guy on there, Santa Claus. I'm always trying to make sure my wrapping paper is not deceptive in itself. I want to make sure it depicts the true reason for the season, if I'm going to practice a pagan holiday in the first place, I want to make sure Jesus is the center. So I don't just grab any paper. You guys don't get where I'm going with that, do you? You can't just wrap yourself in anything. You have to wrap yourself in the truth of these pages. You can't just go to any church in any place and believe any spirit and say, I am a Christian and I'm being wrapped in Christ. You can't live any way you want and say, oh, I'm growing in love and the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. No, you have to be selective. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and you have to get in the Word and let Him wash and cleanse you in order to receive this greatest gift. Listen, I can go on and on with these analogies and things that we can see but we have to wake up ourselves. It has nothing to do with the pastor. I'm just one herald in good news. It has everything to do with you. If you've received the gift, don't squander it and leave it setting. There's so much more in the gift. There's a full inheritance where you're going to be sitting on a throne with Christ in heaven. Isn't that crazy? We've become kings and priests to our God. Are you kidding me? And we live like mere paupers down here? It makes no sense. But it's because 
we've fallen for the deception of the wicked one. And all we're trying to do is get. Because our eyes are looking out here and going, look what they got. I want some of that. I want to receive. I have the gift of receiving. When our God gives, and all of Christianity should be giving themselves away as a testimony, as a witness. They should be wrapped in Christ and given. But we have to decorate that tree with him. We have to be crucified with Christ and I no longer live but the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me so remember this the names that's the attack that was all about the word of God the attack okay the attack is on the word but even if you change all of the word and you leave the names alone which there's salvation in no other name but in the name of Jesus, the light of the world, that decorated and hung on that first tree, you'll know that Zacharias means God remembers. Elizabeth means his oath. John means the Lord is gracious. Gabriel means a strong man of God. Joseph means he will add. Mary means their rebellion to Jesus. The Messiah, the greatest gift ever given, which means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is deliverance from the sin nature that the devil caused. That's how he's delivering us. Listen to me. God remembers his oath, the Lord, and he is gracious. A strong man of God, he will add their rebellion to Jesus. In the names, you cannot, you cannot overread, overstudy, spend too much time in the Word of God. You're spending time with the God of the universe, unwrapping this great gift. And you'll never, like, like, like if you sit down at a table, and I know it says in Proverbs, too much honey is not good. If you sit down at a table and you've got this banquet before you and you just start eating, you're going to have to push yourself away at some time. But with the Word of God, you become fat spiritually. Not fat physically, but spiritually. And fat spiritually is good because it means faithful, available, and teachable. That's a fat Christian. You want to be that one. You want to be in the Word of God, growing and being wrapped in the Spirit of God and the the, the fruit of God because it makes you faithful. That's one of the fruits. And then you become available because you're looking to give yourself away. And then you stay in the Word because you're teachable. You're wanting to learn. You're wanting to grow. You're wanting to go. And this is all done by the Spirit of God. You can't do it in the flesh. If you do it in the flesh, you will fall on your face. If you do it in the flesh, you will go to hell still. You can't do it any other way but surrender to the will of God. Trust and obey. We better get to Luke 2 before Christmas is over. Let's pray. Father, that in this season we would have joy because of the hope and the knowledge of your soon coming. That we would not be deceived 
but we would receive clearly this gift of life and we would walk in it and tell others of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. King James taxed. There was a tax by the Roman government. The whole world. Notice that? The world. The whole world was underneath one government, which is what we're returning to. It's going to begin with a ten-nation alliance. It'll be one world government. That's what you're seeing played out as they attack uh, Donald Trump and his, uh, his resistance of that. You're seeing one world government. It's not the deep state. It's one world government. As they attack Netanyahu in Israel, it's the only two places just so happens to be the Jewish nation and the nation that we call the Christian nation are resisting one world government. This is not by happen chance. Caesar Augustus calls for everybody to be numbered. That's what earthly government has to do. They have to get you all taxed. They have to get you all on a roll. They have to make records. God already knows where everybody's at. And he don't need your money. When did this happen? Oh, I'm glad you asked because it's written down in the Bible. This census first took place because they had a second one. And this is while Quirinius ruled the first time because he was actually governor of Syria twice. This census first took place while Quirinius, that's a K sound, was governing Syria. Really? Syria too, huh? That's a really interesting thing, knowing that Syria is still a hotbed of where they're going to attack from on Israel. And that Russia is there with Muslim nations now ready to attack. They're there. We'll keep moving. We're talking about Christmas. We're just unwrapping, though. This is the wrapping paper of the truth of God's Word. And every time you get into the Word of God, you need to be unwrapping what's going on. You need to be unwrapping the truth and then learning to walk in it and obey it. So all went to be taxed, registered, Everyone to his own city. That means their place of origin, their place of birth. He went back to that. Well, so what happened, Greg? Joseph, remember Joseph, he will add, this is Mary's betrothed. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Now, notice this, because we're going to see this. Bethlehem means house of bread. I love this stuff, because that's why I tell you to pay attention to the names. Because the bread of life, Jesus Christ, is going to be born in the house of bread. Where else would you get bread from? It's funny that, I, I forget what it is. It's Acts 5, you know, oh, let me just look. Maybe we'll look. Acts this is a side note that I've seen. It's Acts chapter 5. Will I even be able to find it? There was a guy that pretended to be a savior. 
Captain Gamaliel's advice. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Here it is, 537 of Acts. After this man, Judas of Galilee, notice where he come from, false Christ. Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. See, it has to be the right Savior at the right time. It has to be according to God's word. But during this census, there was actually people saying they were the Messiah, and we see the Messiah being born. So the devil's always running interference. But Gamaliel and the Bible itself gives us witness that during this time, other people were trying to pretend to be the Savior, but they died, and nothing became of the men that were with them. So, goes up to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Well, why did he go there, Greg? Because, see how easy this is to unwrap? Just slowly walk through it. He was of the house and the lineage of David because he was from David's lineage. To be registered, to be taxed with Mary, their rebellion, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And the King James says, great with child, so she's getting ready to pop. But she was from the tribe of David, and so was Joseph. They both were from David's lineage. And this is what God said, that, that the Messiah would come from David's loins. Uh, so David is his father. He's the son of David. He's the son of God. So they go up. They're being obedient to the laws of the land as long as it does not caused them to be disobedient to God, even when it was disruptive, even when, think about this for a minute, she's, she's probably nine months pregnant, she's going to get there and give birth, and even though it was uncomfortable, and it was hard, and it was miserable, they still obeyed the laws of the land until they were told to do something that was against God, and then it's okay to disobey. Laws, make sure it's laws. This is one world government they're obeying. Six. So it was, transition statement, that while they were there, what happened? The days were completed for her to be delivered. Isn't that amazing? The days were completed for their rebellion to have a deliverer, a salvator to be born. It was the fullness of times, Galatians tell us. The fullness of time. Let me read it to you. Listen to this. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, he's our kinsman redeemer, those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son. So you become a son, and then he gives you a gift of the spirit into your hearts. And then you have the gift that you can cry, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. No longer a slave to sin, but a son. And if a son, then a heir of God through Christ. We become an heir. We have an inheritance, a joint heirs with Christ. But we sit around and we go, 
oh, I'm so worried about how this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to happen. We sit around in fear and anxiety and worry about things when God is perfectly in control of the house. He loves all of his children. He's sovereign over all the affairs of men, but he's protecting and taking care of his children. Does that mean bad things won't happen? Of course not. That means he's going to do everything it takes to get you across the finish line and seated where you're already positionally at as inheritors, as joint heirs with Christ on thrones, ruling and reigning with him. And it might take some pain. It might take some suffering. It might take some heartache. It might mean you go through some trials and tribulation. Through much suffering shall we enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because we're following our example who laid down his life, gave himself away. And what happened with him? He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was nailed to a tree. He humbled himself. He learned perfect obedience through the things that he suffered. That's not what we teach in the church today. We don't teach those things in the church today. We teach a lot of lies in the church today, a lot of feel-good, a lot of crossless gospel. And that's why the church is not effective anywhere that we see. I mean, there is a remnant always by the grace of God. It's certainly not us. It's a gift from God even there. So her days, she's carrying the one who will deliver her. That's what salvation means, deliverance from the sin nature. And what happened next? Well, verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, God's only, Mary's firstborn. You can clearly read in Matthew 13, 55 that she had other sons and daughters with Joseph afterwards. But this is her firstborn and only son of God and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Notice that after this gift was born, it was wrapped. Isn't that interesting? When this gift was born, it was wrapped to be given to the world. Wrapped in swaddling cloths. What are you wrapped in? You're wrapped in yourself? What are you wrapped in? The world? You're wrapped in their system? You're wrapped up and tied up, entangled with their system? Or are you being wrapped in the fruit of the Spirit? See, this the wrapping paper of God looks like love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's, again, contained in these 66 books to help you understand what that love is. To help you understand what the joy looks like. To help you know what peace is. And you have to go through endurance to get to the patience. You have to endure under things to get to patience. And it's the kindness that's part of it. It's all on the paper. If you was looking at the wrapping paper, it would have all of those on there. And we're supposed to be wrapped in it. It can only be done through surrender and crucifixion. It can only happen as we're looking to be a gift and be given away to the ministry of reconciliation. But we're all caught up and wrapped up in everything. And we want to receive what the world has. And the world has nothing but deception. 
deception. When we can go to worship God in the churches and we can live any way we want and do anything we want and sing songs which are blatant lies coming out of our own mouths, they're blatant lies. We're not wrapped in the Spirit of God. And it should cut us. It should wound us. It should convict us. It should make us say, what am I wrapping myself in? What am I being unwrapped from? Because I've been delivered from that bondage and I'm no longer that person. When she delivered the deliverer, this Christ child, she wrapped him up and laid him in a trough. A feeding trough. That's what a manger is. It's not your Christmas cards. It's got that little bassinet with hay in it. This was probably more a cave with a hole in the cave that was carved into it where a cow was spitting all over it with grain and dropping it. And this is the only place that was there to lay the deliverer, the savior of the world because there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the house. Is there any room for Christ in your house? See, this is such a, a huge typology here where you lay the babe in a place where people can taste and see that he's good. You lay him. He's the bread of life born in the house of bread. And we're supposed to eat that bread to have life. But you have to let him into your house, into your inn, into your heart laying down and unwrapping your flesh and being wrapped in his character and you can only do that in the word prayer and fellowship you can only do that and 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 i'm not even talking about fellowship with other people you can only do that in fellowship with him but if you're doing it with him you want to go tell others what he's told you and that's where witnessing and fellowshipping with others comes in to the whole equation of what we do A manger, a place to eat from in the house of bread. Oh, and this, this was prophesied 700 years before. Look at Micah 5.2. It was prophesied 700 years before Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, you, house of bread, Ifratah, which means fruitful, Why? Because the fruit of God's gift is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's the district that Bethlehem is in. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, which means praise, but it's the region that this district and this town is in, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, the one who should rule over those that are governed by God, whose goings forth are from of old. He's the ancient of days from everlasting. Think about that for a moment. Little bitty tiny baby born from a virgin womb, and he's really the ancient of days. He's from everlasting. We're told 700 years before it ever happened, 
obviously 5,000 years before it ever happened, the first prophecy, Genesis 3.15, 700 years before, this is 700 B.C., before Christ, where it would be happening at, and who he was, the Ancient of Days. See, you can trust God. This is the whole point in unwrapping Scripture, unwrapping prophecy, unwrapping the truth and not falling for the lies so that you will see that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As you see He's faithful, as you see He knows, then you should seek Him. Think about it if you are a lottery player. Think about it if you are whatever you are and you want the best of whatever it is, whether it's the lottery or something else, and you know somebody else is the guru of that and they're where to go, wouldn't you go to them? Think about it. If your loved one has a sickness, don't you want the best cancer doctor? You don't just want a doctor. You've been working on teeth? No, I want a cancer doctor, not a teeth doctor. Dennis, I know what they're called. Don't be laughing at me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's the Ancient of Days. Here's the King of Kings. Here's the God of the universe. Here's the one that knows everything. Where are you going to find these things out? The greatest gift ever given. The Word of God reveals all of this by faith. When you hear it, when you see it, when you see the character of God, you can trust God. You don't have to worry. Listen, you do not have to fear COVID. I know. It's serious. You don't have to fear it, though. You don't have to be controlled by it. The whole point of salvation is you don't have to fear death. Is that loud? That was loud. It rang in my ears. But I see people running around afraid of death. Jesus defeated death. He is life. The devil has kept us in bondage all of our life through the fear of death. And we come to Jesus and we're scared to death. Literally. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to offend anybody. We've got to be careful with that or I'm going to go to cancel culture. And I don't want to be there on Christmas morn. I want you to understand the joy that has been given, the hope that has been given. And it's all in these scriptures. And we sit around and we go, I know, uh-huh, I know. No, you don't. Because if you knew, you would live differently. When we know, when we see him, we act different, we live different, we are different. We become children of God. We're no longer those people that have to worry about death. We don't have to fear the unknown because we know the one who holds it all. This is what it's about. But you know what? When you ignore the scriptures, when you ignore the word prayer and fellowship, you stay in bondage. You stay under the lies of the, of the mainstream news or the education system or the world. And I've told you a million times, 1 John 5, 19. I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. And that's exactly what we do when we give in to what the one world government and everybody in the world is saying, and we don't stand in our identity in Christ, is we're listening 
to the wrong word. We're listening to the, did God really say? And we're not believing this truth. We're not unwrapping this gift. But we're wrapping ourselves in lies still. If you unwrap this truth, you'll be wrapped up in truth. You'll believe truth. You'll walk in truth because you hear truth and it builds faith. But if you're unwrapping the world, you're wrapped in self, you're wrapped in flesh, you're wrapped in deception, you're wrapped in lies, you're wrapped in the sway, you're entangled in the affairs of this life. That's not what we're called to do. So what was going on else, Greg, as that baby's being born? Well, let's look, verse 8. Now there were in the same country, right there, in the same area, by Bethlehem, shepherds. What shepherds? Well, sheep herd. They're shepherds. They herd sheep. They take care of sheep. What were they doing, Greg? They were living out in the fields. They didn't have a house. They're living out in the fields. They didn't have an inn. Keeping watch, that's what we're called to do. Listen to me. We're shepherds of the manifold grace of God. We're supposed to be guarding it. We're supposed to be keeping watch over one another over the flock by night, because it's dark out there. This present evil age is getting darker, but if you're living for Jesus and you're reading the word of God, it shouldn't shake you. We should look up our redemption draweth nigh. What happened while they were out there living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night? An angel, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord, big bright light, shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Notice they're afraid of the right thing. When you're afraid of the right thing, you know what happens? The right thing says, do not be afraid. God doesn't want you to move nowhere by fear. Reverence, godly reverence, yes, but not by fear. Listen to me, this is very clear. If you're doing what you do out of fear, it's flesh. It's not God. It's not the Spirit. The Spirit will be out of benevolence, out of kindness, out of love, out of goodwill, out of faith. Everything that we do is a walk of faith, not of fear. But fear will kill your faith. I can tell you right now, if there's any time that you're afraid and it's God, He'll say, do not be afraid. If it's the devil, he'll keep piling fear upon you so that you're motivated to do the wrong thing. Paralyzed. You can think they believed they were taught falsely by false teachers that if you seen an angel, you were going to die. So there was a reason to go, ah, angel, because they were falsely taught. All they had to do was read the scroll. How many times in the Old Testament? Hagar sees an angel. It was for good. What about Samson's parents? Angel. It was good. Every time you see an angel, they don't, they're not killing you in the Old Testament. But it's being taught that if you see an angel, you're going to die. But for this point, they're controlling us with COVID. They're controlling us with all of this violence. They're controlling us with lies. 
when we're supposed to be set free to follow Jesus. And when you're set free, you can stand up. So God tells you right now, do not be afraid. Listen to me. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. They were greatly afraid when this glory of the Lord shone around them. And verse 10 says, the angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of, people. Listen to me. If you die, if they kill you, they cannot take the soul. You to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Me and my brother Jamie were talking the other day about this saint that he messed up. He was, they were killing all the saints and he was told to denounce Christ or they would kill him and burn him at the stake and he denounced Christ. And he went away and he got to thinking about it and he went back. And he had asked God, if it's your will, let me die at the stake. I'm telling it my own way, paraphrasing it. But he also, the people told him, said, well, if it's bearable, raise your hand while you're burning. And as the skin melted off his arms, he raised his hand. Because he had no fear. He had dealt with it. Because you can trust God. Christ has defeated death. And that's where the fear comes from, is to be fearful of what they might do to you. And if Christ is for you, who can be against you? If we're his children, he's doing everything for us. He's already given us the greatest gift. And as we keep seeking him, he keeps giving us more and more and more and more and more. It's like me spoiling my grandkids. I keep giving them more than they even need, except God has a control mechanism that makes sure it's exactly what you need in the time you need it. And I have no self-control in spoiling my grandkids. So they were greatly afraid. And as I stated before, when that fear comes, the angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. Why not? Because I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Listen, not some people. All people. Why do I tell you that? Because there's so much division in the church and so much lying in the church that some people teach that it's only for some people. But God said, He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whomsoever will believe would not perish but have eternal life. It's for whomsoever. Well, what, what do you mean? It's to all people. What is this good news? These glad tidings, this great joy. For there is born to you. Notice who it's born to. This day, his birthday, in the city of David, Zion, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, I mean, a Savior, a Deliverer, who is Christ the Lord. Messiah, the Kurios. Kurios is supreme in authority. And this will be the sign. Here's the proof. Here's the evidence to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So the present was wrapped. 
Now think about this. If the story, the testimony, the text ends right there. Listen, it's to you. It's to you. There's a Savior that was born on Christmas Day. And there's a sign that's given to you. But you've got to do something to see it. Watch, they have to do something. They could have just stood there and went, man, that was crazy. What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to clean up after the sheep over here. I'm going to keep doing what I was doing. So you cannot hear of the Messiah, of the greatest gift ever given, and keep doing what you've always done unless you are dead. You don't have to be dead. The gift is for whomsoever. But if you keep doing what you've always been doing, you're dead. Don't have to be dead. Let me say it again. You can be alive. Look what they did. Oh, well, first, I got to get to this other part first. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And there's some other things that people say that it says, Whom God's favor rests and all that. I, listen, it says, And on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Benevolence. It's a word that means kindness. Because it's the kindness of God, the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. This is His goodwill toward us. We are at war with Him. We're enemies with Him. And in goodwill, He brings the conditions of peace. Here's how you have peace with God. Is Here it is. You, you agree to, by faith to believe in that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. And you shall be saved. He shows His goodwill. He could have destroyed us, but He shows us His goodwill toward us. His desire that none would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when, so it was, transition, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, get back to tending the sheep. Get back to your earthly duties. Get back to what you was always doing. Look at it. Let us now go. Listen, if you've received the good news that the greatest gift ever given is born to you, and you believe that Jesus is Lord, it's time to go. It's time to go investigate it. That's what this whole book is about. Luke writes an autopatia, an autopsy of the things that happen. And he's laying it out for us. And everybody that hears of Jesus is supposed to go and investigate and tell others. Because if you unwrap it, you'll tell others of what you found under the wrapping paper. Think about it. Think about it. The day after Christmas, the first day back to work, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I got a new sweater, and I, I, I spoiled myself, and I got me a new TV. And we're telling everybody about the gifts we get, but we receive Jesus, and we won't tell nobody? The greatest gift ever given? We won't tell them, I'm no longer dead, I'm no longer afraid, I'm no longer going to hell. I've been giving Jesus Christ a new life. It's because we haven't unwrapped it. We don't believe it. We don't understand it. We're not comprehending it. We're too wrapped up in ourselves. Sorry, I know. Greg, that's a real mean Christmas message. No, it's not. It's love. 
It's love. Because we're reaching the end of the age and people are still playing church. What did they say? What was their conclusion when they were counseled? I wrote this down in my Bible. They were counseled. They complied. They went and confirmed it. There was contentment and they were changed. Oh, five seeds. I don't do that. I'm just doing it for you right now. I never do that. A bunch of C's and P's and T's and A's together. I'm just trying to walk through the scripture and unwrap this truth. But instantly they heard good news and it was joy. And they said, wait a minute, we've been spoken to by God that we were sinners and we need a Savior. So now they're going to go to the place he said, the house of bread, and see this thing that has come to pass. Notice there's no doubt. They actually say, we're going to see what's come to pass. They're not doubting it. They believe it, which the Lord has made known to us. See, when you get in the word, prayer and fellowship, the Lord speaks to you. He makes known truth to you, and you can confirm it. You can believe it. And they came with haste, of course, the first Christmas rush, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. They found it to be truthful, just as it said. Listen to this. Remember? Remember, uh, the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. Matthew 7, 7. Listen. They heard the message. They were counseled. They got up and went to investigate. They complied with what they were told. It was confirmed to them. Look, in haste they went and found their rebellion was added to the babe, to Christ. See, when you seek, that's what happens. When you begin to unwrap, that's what happens. Your rebellion, your flesh gets added to the cross. Their rebellion, when they went, and that's what happens. You have to do something about what you believe. True belief, true faith is not dead faith. It's an active faith. It's a working faith. If there's no work and no investigation and no going and doing involved in it, then it's dead faith. It's not real faith. They heard and they believed, so they went to see it. And when you see it, what do you do, Greg? Well, they tell us. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They shared it with others. When you say, well, that was them, not me. Wait a minute. Listen to me, people. These guys weren't supposed to be. These are shepherds. These are nomads. These are vagabonds. These are what they called gypsies. These were the low life of, of everything. Shepherds were the lowest of everything. They were thieves. They were vagabonds. This is who Christ came to. This is who he reveals it to. The poor in spirit. This is where the greatest gift has its most effectiveness. Is a person who knows I need a savior. But we can't just say, oh, I, I need a savior. I got a savior. I said a prayer. And now I'm going to wrap myself in death. I'm going to go back to the world and do everything the world is doing. 
instead of investigating and getting into the word prayer and fellowship and telling everybody, making it widely known that we've seen him and we know him. And we're here to tell you that this Christ is true. This greatest gift is real. We don't have to be underneath the sway of one world government. See, right now the planet's being crushed with delusion, with a famine for the word of God. But it's God who did it. Because we resisted him for so long, now he's done it. Let's get to that text now. Amos, chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine for bread, physical bread. Not a famine for the thirst of water, physical water. But of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, and, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Strong delusion. What's going on? The word of God has been revealing it for how many thousands of years, and people ignore it. The devil don't want you to hear it. Did God say? And then you start to struggle and go, I need answers, and it may be too late. It may be too late for them then because you're wrapping yourself in self. You're wrapping yourself in the world and you're chasing stuff. And all you want to do in your relationships is get. Just get for me because I want some stuff. What did I get for Christmas? What did you get me while you're at the store? What's in it for me in this relationship? Christ said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the gift of receiving is not one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. He wants us to give ourselves away, to unwrap our flesh and be wrapped in the righteousness of Christ, in the fruit of the Spirit. And if we are, we'll make it widely known. We will speak up. We will tell people what we've seen and heard. That's what they did, these vagabond shepherds who had no education and all they did was listen to bah all day long look at verse 18 and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds why because this is not what shepherds talk about they tell dirty jokes and sheep jokes and bah the priests are the ones that talk about the messiah the, the, the temple priests and the Levites, they're the ones that talk about the Messiah. That's why people marvel when you talk about the Messiah. That's why God will receive the glory when you're talking about Christ. When you're telling people, oh, yay, but the proud, they'll ignore you. They'll resist you. They won't hear you because they're under strong delusion. What did Mary do? But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Notice where they're kept. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's uh, Proverbs 4.23. What are you wrapping your heart in? Get, get, get. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Chase world, world, world. Listen to me. That's what we're told to do. But that's not what our Father in Heaven tells us to do that sent us a deliverer from that. He tells us to wrap ourselves in Christ and His righteousness and His love to give ourselves away to others. 
And if we open this gift, if we see what this gift contains as we get into the word prayer and fellowship, we'll make it widely known. Everything that the Spirit tells us, we'll be ready to speak to somebody else. Mary pondered them. She meditated on them. She spent time with them. I love doing that, reading the Word of God and chewing on it all week long. I've chewed on this message all week long, all month long. And you say, well, I can't do that. Listen to me. I want to, I want, I want to explain this to you. I can't do that. I can't share with other people. I can't. I, listen, nobody ever had a lesser beginning than Jesus or a worse ending than Jesus. And he was the Messiah of the world. He said he was born and laid in a manger, not even at home. There's no room for him. He's put in a feeding trough. And he said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He, he never had a coin to himself. He had one piece of clothing. I mean, think about the things that he went through. And he was still able to believe God and follow God and deliver us in perfection. So there's no excuse for not surrendering. There's no excuse for not being used by God. There's no way we can ever make up any excuse and say, well, you haven't been through what I've been through. Look what he went through. And on the other side, he gave us his righteousness. So it's all excuses. It's all something that is fearful that drowns out your faith. And it's not unwrapping this greatest gift that was ever given. And verse 20 said, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then they confirmed it because they seen it. They went and seen as it was told them. You have to investigate. Because some people are liars. And you want to be a Berean and you want to understand what you're being wrapped in. You want to hear it and grow your faith and wrap yourself in this gift of love, which is available to all men. The greatest gift ever given. Are you trusting? Are you obeying? Listen to me. The devil wants you to think you've received it and put it on a shelf and never open it, never enjoy it, never grow your faith and tell others about this gift of love, this greatest gift ever given. At this Christmas, I pray that you will sit down with God and allow His Spirit to confirm in your heart what's going on for life, what's your gifting, what's your talents, what's your abilities, what are you called to do? How do you be a husband? How do you be a wife? How do you be single in the body of Christ? Who can you tell? I mean, one of the things you can do is say, okay, Lord, if you gave yourself away, and that means I'm supposed to give myself away after I'm wrapped in you, then who do I go to? And maybe you need to write down a couple names where you're going to start praying for them and asking God for an ability to share what you've heard and what you know about Jesus with them. Find somebody to give yourself away to and stop just receiving everywhere you go and everything that you do. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that 
Christmas is all about your greatest gift you ever gave to us, a son, a Messiah, a Savior, a kinsman redeemer. You've given us life and that more abundantly. And it's the gift that keeps on giving as long as we'll get in it and draw near to you. You'll draw near to us. Give us a desire, Lord, to be in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Give us a desire to be wrapped in your son, Jesus. Give us a desire to go to others and give ourselves away in servanthood, in testimony, in witnessing. Give us a desire to be involved with you in our privilege of the reconciliation of souls. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for such an opportunity. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?